podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Little down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom! The boys are back in Blitz Month. Marches on towards that glorious first Saturday where your Kansas State Wildcats will be taking on the SEMO Redbirds. I think that's what their names. I'm not really sure. Doesn't really matter because today we have on one of my favorite co-hosts from my favorite K-State pod, um, I will. I if things go as planned, you'll be hearing his partner in crime later this week. I like to have both of them on at the same week. I call it Aggieville Alley Cat Week during Blitz Month on Bosco's Boys. It's my favorite K State podcast. They have now gone. I think they've anniversaried the show twice. They're rolling on for their third season, based out of now my hometown. I'm not going to say anymore. I'm not going to dox you. I'm not going to say exactly where you live. Uh, both being law students at the prestigious Washburn University Law School. I think you guys should do some, uh, you know, some Washburn Ichabod football content, but you guys are busy as is. If you haven't picked up on it, it is Ace Edwards of the Aggieville Alley Cats. Ace, how are you doing, my friend? And welcome back. Well, first off, thank you for welcoming me on. I am doing quite well. I uh, am just because in the short time that I'm not going to law school, because the 1L year is always the worst. Uh, just ask Connor about his 1L year. He was, <laughs> vibes were not high. But before then, I'm just trying to get as much work done for the show as I can, doing a, a bunch of the write-ups for the season preview, things like that. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll mention the, the second thing I'm doing a bit, a bit later, because it is tangentially related to something on the script. There you go. It's not a script. It's an outline. I it's just happened outline. to write a lot of words into <laughs> my outlines. Um, yes, you, you are going to be a law student. And and I think if you guys can make it through all of law school, still doing a K-State sports podcast, I think you kind of owe it to everyone in the world to never stop. Uh, <laughs> as, as someone who's done it with uh, probably a slightly less tenuous uh, workload, um, I, I think, I think, I think I should just keep it going forever. Uh, because I don't know. It's my favorite. If you guys aren't listening to the Aggieville Alley Cats, you guys need to, I want to give you a shout out and I'm going to ask a question that wasn't on here. Uh, you guys do the best job, uh, covering all K-State sports specifically. You guys really ride hard for the women's basketball team and the baseball team as well. So I'm going to ask you this, uh, what needs to happen to get these two teams into postseason play next year? And what will your meltdown level be specifically for the women's basketball team uh, if they're not dancing next March? Well, uh, to start with the women's basketball team, the number one thing that they probably have to do is just kind of not get in their own way. Because I've gone on record several times on, on the show saying that this is by far the most talented team that Mitty has had in his tenure and it honestly, in terms of pure talent, may be a top five or 10 team in the country. It all comes down to just they're in it. Like if they're able to stay out of their own way, 
And if MIDI does not over or under coach them, there's absolutely no reason why this shouldn't at minimum be a second week team. And I'm not just saying this because I'm under threat of being waterboarded by someone who else who may be on the show, but it's, I'm so excited for the women's basketball team, but for the, the baseball team, the number one thing they need is pitching right now because they're losing Owen Borama. He ended up graduating. Herman Fajardo ends up going to the majors or in, starts going through the system on an undrafted contract. And we never really had a consistent day three starter. So the only real returning piece we have is hopefully what we got from Ty Rule in the Big 12 tournament. Kyler Haney transferred out, who is our best reliever, not named Tyson Neighbors. But in terms, like to end optimistically, the offense and lineup that the Batcats have is insane because it's Chuck Ingram, who was an American Player of the Year, uh, the American Conference at Wichita State. You still have Kalen Culpepper coming back, who will probably end up being a first round and will be draft pick. Kyan Lotus, who's a young guy who has more pop than probably just about anyone on the team, and just a bunch of other pieces that are all coming together to form a really good offense it's just who knows with the pitching because it's just such an unknown and honestly the only thing we know is that Rudy Darrow has a style that he wants and that's more contact pitching whether or not you think contact pitching is a good strategy in Toynton Stadium especially against right-handed batters is a there's a discussion to be had there but yeah I'm, I'm really excited for especially the women's basketball season I mean you, you don't just trot out a starting five of Ioka Lee, Gabby Gregory, Serena Sundell, Jalen Glenn, and then probably Eliza Mop. You don't just trot that out. You, that's just not something you casually drop on someone. Yeah, I, th- I think it would quite possibly be one of the biggest disappointments in the history of Kansas State Athletics if that team is not in the NCAA tournament. Um, so we're, we're going to have to wait and see, you know, I, I try to do a, 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 an okay job talking about the women's basketball team in the winter. Uh, but we might have to, we might have to have you on in between, uh, saving the world as a lawyer, uh, to talk about the women's basketball team. Uh, before we get into what I had on the outline, remember this show is sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. Whether you are in any corner of the state, just nicely talk to your local liquor store, whoever's in charge of getting craft beer into your local liquor store and say, hey, I would really like Manhattan Brewing Company, please, and maybe threaten them. Now, don't threaten them, but be nice and be persistent if they don't already have it. And then every time you go to Manhattan, stock up, get a couple four packs and crowlers straight from the source after you have a couple delicious pints. This week, they are dropping their collaboration with the women's soccer team, Galasso, or the coaches, I should say, uh, because having an NIL deal or any association with players, if you're a alcohol company, is prohibited by the NCAA. But they can do it with the coaches. Later on this, right before the season kicks off their beer with Connor Riley, the Condor will be dropping as well a double IPA All sorts of delicious beers are waiting for you at Manhattan Brewing Company. I promise your favorite beer is on tap. You just need to go try it. Okay, so if people haven't watched it, I'm telling them to do it, and I'll tweet out a link later out uh, today if folks are listening to it on release day. Uh, You have a great YouTube video that breaks down how similar and really the lack of difference between Jalen Daniels and Mr. Bean, as I'll call him, at KU uh, and, and how similar they really are, which is kind of funny because Daniels is hurt again and KU people are freaking out. 
Uh, so because of that video, I'm dubbing you the quarterback whisperer. And really, maybe I should be calling you the offensive coordinator whisperer, but it doesn't matter. So due to all that, beyond Will Howard, who I will ask about later, just give me the cliff notes of how you look at this quarterback room, because you have two blue chip guys. You have a guy who may have the best raw arm talent. And then you have a former high three star with all sorts of power five offers who transferred in from Minnesota, paying his own way to walk on Uh, beyond Will Howard. What's it like seeing these many guys, these many dudes, whatever adjective you want to put in the same quarterback room? It's, it's certainly a, a big, big jump from, I think it was the year before my freshman year where the two major quarterbacks were Alex Delton and Skylar Thompson. And that's no disrespect to Skylar Thompson, but like all of it, it's just such a top to bottom, such a ridiculously strong room. You, you mentioned sort of the cliffs notes of, of everyone there, but even outside of QB one and Will Howard, uh, Jake Rubley came in as one of the higher floor prospects in the country able to run a pro style offense seemingly as a true freshman if he actually got to play senior high school football then you have adrian lara who has a nuclear missile for an arm and all he had to do was figure out his mechanics and then he would probably be a top five starting quarterback in the big 12 if he just figured out how to set his feet and then of course you have jacob knuth i'll I'll mention the the youngest one last Jacob Knuth transferring from Minnesota, deciding to commit to K-State to walk on, eventually pay his way. And I I have opinions on that. We kind of cover them on the show. It's like it's sort of an insurance policy because I don't think that you can keep this entire room together. So I think that whoever leaves, Knuth probably picks up the scholarship. But then, of course, the crown jewel of this quarterback room from a K-State perspective is Avery Johnson who take if you take all of the positive qualities of the other quarterbacks that I've mentioned and then make them an insane athlete that probably belongs at like a top five program in the country in terms of pure athleticism, that's AJ. That's Avery Johnson. So this top to bottom, this room is ridiculous. And it gets even better with this next year's commit. And it, it's just going to keep rolling and rolling on because Blake Barnett, I feel like people forget because he committed so early but Blake Barnett may be an equal athlete to Avery and no one talks about it because he ran like what a 10, eight, meter. Yeah, it, it is. It is wild because uh, if that, if Blake Barnett would have gone through the elite 11, which he opted not to, he said, look, I, I don't, I don't need to do it. I'm going to you know stay back and work out with my high school team. I'm not trying to twerk for more offers or rating increase or anything like that. I would bet a lot of money if he would have gone through it, he would have been an Elite 11 finalist, and he probably would have been upgraded to a four-star uh, because that that kid really has a ton of talent as well. So I'm glad you mentioned him as well. Um, when Staying on the offensive side of the ball, what is the biggest question mark you have for this team? Because I'm high on this team. Uh, Colin Klein was, you know, offered, you know, Notre Dame wanted him bad. Texas A&M was trying to get him to come down for an interview. Allegedly, even Alabama sniffed around a little bit for their offensive coordinator opening. Again, he may be quietly one of the hottest coordinators uh, in the entire nation and probably the hottest coordinator in the Big 12. And 
you see people putting on Twitter and on message boards, oh, are we going to average 50 points a game and all this type of stuff, which is wild. And we're not going to. Um, but there's so much confidence amongst the K-State fan base. And we're lo- losing maybe one of, if not the greatest Wildcats to ever put on the Powercat and play on offense and Deuce Vaughn. Um, so when you look at this offense, where is that question mark? To me, the biggest question mark with the offense is backup pass catchers. And I originally was going to limit it to backup receivers. Then I looked at sort of the, the two line for tight end and that, that sort of qualifies as well. Cause I think you have a pretty consistent top four receivers, but in, in a perfect world, you want at least six who could rotate one for each of the traditional receiver positions. So you have the one line of Keegan Johnson, Phillip Brooks, and then RJ Garcia slash Jaden Jackson. But outside of them, you're getting into special teams contributors or guys that are just haven't proven themselves quite yet. So, for example, the, the slot depth chart that I'm projecting would be Philip Brooks, number one, Seth Porter, number two, and then probably Jace Brown, three. And it's just pretty much everywhere you look in the, the wide receiver room, the backups are wholly unproven. And the tight end room is sort of the same because you have the two number ones, obviously Ben Sinnott. And then the two line is probably Will Swanson or Garrett Oakley. And Will Swanson's traditionally been more of a blocker than he has been a receiver since he's been here. And Garrett Oakley's was a solid receiver that Connor and I were always high on, but you can't really say that either have proven themselves to be at a power five level, a consistent receiving threat. I will end it with a bit of optimism by saying that I think that everyone in the receiving room, like one through probably seven has a higher ceiling than Cade Warner, who had an excellent season last year for K-State. And when he transferred in, didn't have a single touchdown pass catch. So I, I think Klein is capable of operating an offense without that one receiving threat, but it, it doesn't, it never hurts. You know, it, if someone looks at you and say, Hey, you want Devonte Adams on your team? You're not going to look at him and say, no. No, I think, I think that is a great point. And I, I, I think, and, and you, it, you could tell me I'm wrong, but I almost kind of view not having that, like without a doubt, no doubt, like true number one wide receivers. The only thing that K-State has not produced or brought in, uh, in Chris Kleiman's time. And I think that might be more than anything, a product of Malik Knowles never truly being a hundred percent healthy throughout the year, or maybe it's more of a never being healthy. And also just now getting to an offense that would allow a true number one wide receiver to shine through. Yeah. I, I will sort of push back that K-State has never had one under Kleiman's tenure, but he never really played for K-State because he transferred out after one year and that was Tyrone Howell. If you look at what Tyrone Howell did at ULM this last year, that is, that genuinely like kind of hurts a lot. Just watch. Cause he's made, he made multiple highlight catches at ULM this last year, but he ended up transferring out at the end of last season. I think it was after the Texas game. Uh, and I truly believe that if he just waited two weeks and the, the new offensive coordinator hire was announced a little bit faster he probably would have stayed and he had a very good chance of probably overtaking Malik. They like on paper this season, they both had very similar seasons. I believe they both had a 800 yards. I think Howell may have beaten them by a few, but yeah, 
I, I still get a little bit sad thinking about how Tyrone Howell transferred out, but I agree with you that K-State has yet to have that alpha receiver under climbing play for them and get to that full potential. See, I, I, I've watched his highlights. I've seen what he's done at Louisiana Monroe. I don't think that level of production at that level of college football, I, I don't think I'm quite there, but he could make me look stupid during the remainder of his time in college football. Maybe he goes on to be one of the next great small school wide receivers in the NFL. And then you can laugh in my face and say, I told you so. And then waterboard me uh, because <laughs> I waterboarded you over the K-State women's basketball team. No pressure, Jeff Mitty. Uh, just some uh, encouragement. Yeah, just some encouragement. You don't want Ace to be waterboarded. All right, uh, we're going to get you to go on the record for predictions this season. But before we do, shout out to my friends at Charlie Hustle. Folks, I woke up this morning. I'm recording this on August 7th. I took Chauncey on a WALK. I'm, I'm spelling it because he's at my feet right now, and I don't want him to get excited. He's a very smart boy, but he doesn't know how to spell quite yet. Um, but I woke up, and it was in the mid-60s. So know what I did? I broke out my purple K-State Charlie Hustle crew neck, and I we pranced around the neighborhood like it was a fall Saturday morning. It's the most comfortable crew neck I have ever owned. And guess what? I'm throwing on a Charlie Hustle t-shirt right after we get done recording this as well. They have the most stylish, the most comfortable, and some of the best breadth of designs you could hope for in officially licensed K-State gear. And guess what? Beyond just K-State, if you're buying a gift for someone who likes college sports but not K-State, first off, it sucks to be them because it's always a great day to be a K-State Wildcat. But they have tons of other officially licensed teams. If, if you like the pro teams that play in Kansas City, they have the Arrowhead Collection. They have the Crown Town Collection, the Sporting Club Collection. Honestly, almost my entire closet is Charlie Hustle stuff. They also have the iconic KC heart design and all sorts of Kansas City landmark stuff as well. So check out charliehustle.com. And it's August. Keep an eagle eye on the Bosco's Boys Twitter account. We are going to have our August giveaway very soon. All right, Ace, it's time to go on the record. I know it's still early, but I believe in you. Uh, These are all going in cement. And if we ever hear you go away from these predictions, the boneheads will break your kneecaps. So everyone, I would imagine almost everyone would predict Will Howard to be the offensive MVP. I'm going to ask about him here in a second. But if you had to go with someone not named Will Howard, who would it be? There are, uh, there are two options that immediately come, well, technically three, but top two that come to mind are Ben Sinnott and Treshawn Ward. Uh, Treshawn Ward will probably touch the ball more often, so you'll notice him a lot more. But if I this isn't a bold prediction at all. Ben Sinnott's probably going to lead the team in touchdowns. And it's because there's whenever you have a tight end that has such a good rapport and chemistry with a quarterback, I, it's it's beautiful. Like even to a even if you don't, even the ones you're not thinking of immediately, the ones you come to mind that like Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, and then Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, but even like Tony Romo and Jason Witten and then Dak Prescott and Jason Witten, that was always a really solid connection. And they were always, it was always really good to watch. So I think the obvious answer for me is, is Ben Sinnott. And I think he probably cements himself as the best tight end in K-State history this season. And it's hilarious because he started as a walk-on, which is that isn't that just a K-State thing? 
a walk-on fullback, by the way. Walk-on fullback. Because if people go back, and, and again, is Jack Stanine's biggest fan, uh, if, if you go back and see his early game logs, his first season, it was exclusively as a fullback. And really, it wasn't until, what, the end of, getting towards the end of his freshman year and a, a little bit into that bowl game that you started seeing him play tight end a little bit more. And then all the talk, Last year was like, oh yeah, he, he's listed as a fullback because he wasn't listed as a tight end until like postseason, maybe. Uh it was like, okay, hey, we're gonna see a lot of him at fullback. And I was like, oh, I'll see it when I believe it. And in the pregame video it was like, oh, fullback, Ben Sennett. So it is wild to see the evolution. Granted, the way Colin Klein has done the offense, and even a little bit under Messingham, they've used fullback, H back, tight end almost interchangeably. Now we almost never see a hand in the ground fullback, but it is it is like the perfect K State story. Small town, Midwest city, walk on position change, all American question mark question mark. The people are asking Ace. Uh, he can make a push for it. I I think that he's not going to be first team because uh, a person named Brock Bowers exists. Uh, I. I I mean, I would accept if Ben Sinnott turned out to be better than Brock Bowers. It won't happen, but I would like that. It would be awesome. But yeah, I. it's also worth noting that uh, even the one true fullback left on the roster, Christian Moore, even he's listed as a tight end now. So Yeah, I don't think anyone's listed as a fullback anymore. Nope. Um, but that, that is going to be an exciting one. I'll, I'll never forget that Baylor game where it, it truly was the coming out party for Ben Sinnott as a tight end. He had made a couple plays, but... What he was able to do in that Baylor game, it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, let, let's talk about the 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 pass thrower. Let's talk about Will Howard. Um, there's so much excitement for him. And as uh, Connor came after me a little bit in my DMs, I, I did make a statement when the good chef Andre Napier was on. Uh, and I said, you two were not the only ones who never stopped believing in Will Howard. And I playfully gave you guys a little bit of crap claiming that you were. Uh, I wasn't one of them. I wasn't trying to say I was one. So if you want to take a shot at me for being a little bit too playful, I'm going to give Connor the same opportunity because he he made sure his displeasure was made known to me in the DMs. Uh, but please go ahead and do so. And then also, what sort of ex- season are you expecting from Will Howard? Yeah, so I'm not going to take shots at anyone. The main thing that I'm going to say is that the caveat was there. there's always going to be like two or three people on Twitter with like 13 followers who are going to say that they were on the bandwagon always. But in terms of people who put out their voice for a mass audience, we yes. were one of the few. No, I, I think if you go to content creators in the K-State space, you, you might have been the only ones. Yeah. Because again... Uh, I don't, I don't think anyone over, I don't think, you know, shout out to Derek Young. I don't think Derek Young was uh, on that train, even though he was, uh, he, he was him and I, the biggest argument Derek Young and I ever got in was in the Overland Park uh, peanut eating wings, arguing Skylar Thompson versus Will Howard uh, during the 2020 season. So uh, yeah. So, so it was like after maybe like the Texas tech game or something. So he and I went back and forth Uh so that that's the biggest argument Derek Young and I have ever been in. Uh, so that's just kind of a throwback. But he he even eventually started saying I was right. But it doesn't matter. Will Howard now has the chance to accomplish something. Uh, Skylar Thompson, never, he already has done stuff. Skylar Thompson never has. Uh, and I think he's going to be a higher draft pick than Skylar. So 
maybe it wasn't who was right and when, but hey, it's K-State doing well. Uh, but what what are you expecting from them this season? Uh, I, I also will say that I there may or may not be a video in the works chronicling the story of Will Howard, just uh, neither confirming nor denying that information. Uh, I may have already done the voiceover for it, if it hypothetically existed. But I, really, I understand every, every reason why people are excited about Will Howard. And that's because by the end of last year, I mean, just him overcoming Adrian Martinez when he was healthy was, I think, the moment that people started, you know, believing a little bit in him. And there was a little bit of a hiccup during uh, the West Virginia game where he had one really bad throw that people kept like playing back and forth. It was a timing throw and like a little stick route that uh, the West Virginia player jumped because for some reason the stick route was like the fourth read on the play. But (laughs) it's... It people are really excited for Will largely because of the progress he's made and the fact that he has the experience that he has. With that being said, I think the ceiling for Will Howard is definitely first team all big 12. The floor is at minimum honorable mention because if it's anything like last year, half of the big 12 quarterbacks aren't going to play 10 games anyway. So I think the only real competition for Will Howard to sort of ascend like past that, you know, that sort of get that upper echelon and be the all big 12 quarterback is Oklahoma's Dylan Gabriel, because he should have been the all big 12 pick anyway. And then Quinn Ewers, if Texas does not continue to Texas themselves, which they will. And that means that Quinn Ewers will start four games. People will start screaming for Arch Manning and then the season will be over. But it, I'm, I get really excited thinking about Will. And it's really weird to, to say as someone who's only one year older than him, but there is sort of a sense of like pride just seeing where he came from and just how he fought through it. So if there's one thing that you can say about Will is that even if this year there's troubles, Will's not going to quit. <laughs> that is true. That, 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 kid, that kid is not going to give up. And, and I do think the the Will Howard story becomes even better in this uh you know transfer portal era. Um and I'm looking forward to seeing that video um hypothetically if it's gonna come out. Uh let, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. No qualifiers on this one. Who's gonna be the defensive MVP? Defensive MVP, this one's actually kind of easy for me. It's Kobe Savage. Because if you look at how the and I do mean this literally in most valuable player, not the one who's going to accrue the most stats, that one's probably going to be either Daniel Green or Caleb Duke. But if you look at how the secondary played last year in the absence of Kobe Savage, they lost a lot of their ability to sort of communicate with one another and do coverage pass offs. And it didn't help that Josh Hayes was playing the back end of the season hope or hurt. At least I, I hope he was hurt and he didn't just like stop learning how to actually play deep coverage towards no, he, that game. He, he, he got banged up. Like I, I think the initial injury that he played through actually occurred in the Iowa state game and he never was able to get back in front of it. So I think you're, I think, yes, you, you are. I, I was going to try to be a little bit more kind of like secretive because you're not supposed to talk about, you know, injuries, but he's off in the NFL. He's down Tampa Bay. Yes. He, he, he had an injury in the Iowa state game and he, he, it, it took him all season just trying to stay on the field. So I, I think that was an accurate call out. Yeah. But yeah. Just Kobe Savage, his ability to communicate on the back end and just sort of get everyone in the secondary where they need to be. 
that's going to be really critical in a big 12 and especially this schedule where you have so many teams that really like passing the ball. I mean, the only one that isn't going to be a consistent, you know, probably 60, 40 split for passing and running is going to be Baylor and maybe Iowa state, but Iowa state has their own problems right now. Hopefully they uh, get people to stop betting on themselves or maybe even against themselves towards that last game. But I think the secondary is going to be key. And I think the leader of that secondary is probably going to be the MVP. All right, let's switch into breakout players. So on offense, either a newcomer or someone who is yet to be a starter for K-State. You know, I think there's a couple obvious situations, but you're also a smart guy. I'm not going to try to put you into a box. So uh, who's going to be that breakout player on offense? Well, I'm not going to say Jacardia Wright, and I'm not going to say Keenan Garber. Those were quite famously two really bad picks <laughs> um i'm gonna go safely here i'm just gonna say Jaden jackson because there there has been a little bit of buzz and i always sort of i mean he taught a, he caught a touchdown against alabama while he was down in mississippi so you know he can't be that bad but to me he's the obvious answer because he's made an argument for being on the one line despite limited playtime. And that's just because he was such a talent coming out of high school, like a plus athlete who was weirdly refined coming out of high school. So I think him and RJ are going to be in a dogfight for that third receiver position. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if when the depth chart came out, it was an or situation, or it even could be an or situation with him and Keegan Johnson. Cause I think both of them are more likely to play that X receiver role than RJ is. Oh, Xavier Lloyd also did get snaps there, but I like Trace Spivey at X more than Xavier Lloyd. All right, let's go on to the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, I mean, weirdly enough, again, when you look at the depth chart, I think you're going to see a lot of the same names you saw last year. Uh, but defense, who's going to be your breakout player? The breakout player, there's it's really actually kind of tough because everyone who's I project project to be on the one line either sort of has already started or had their breakout last year in the case of Des Purnell and Jake Clifton. But I I think I'm actually, I'm going to go with the player who's actually new to the team that I may be higher on than just about anyone. Uh, Connor and I are both really high on him and that's Daniel Cobbs, the uh, safety out of Tyler Juco, which is the same place that uh, Kobe Savage came from, but they did not play together. Uh, I learned this uh, the hard way, but Daniel Cobbs reminds me so much of Kobe Savage coming out of Tyler Juco. Just that guy who plays with his hair on fire and yet is an amazing communicator with plus coverage skills. I don't see him being on the one line week one. I think it takes maybe about week three where he's the de facto starter because I just, he's so talented and He's not Kobe Savage. He no very few people are just directly Kobe Savage. But he is the same style of player. And I just want you to imagine having two styles of that player on the same defense. Like you, no, you can't say they don't have a high motor. 
That that is very true. That is very true. All right, the last one that is player specific, and this is one that I've kind of gone back and forth on. And luckily, it's my show, so I don't actually have to put my official prediction out there until like right before the season starts. But if you had to pick one first year student, so one true freshman to make the biggest impact on this season, who would it be? Uh, there are there's two answers on offense, and then two answers on defense. On offense, I think I, I've long been a member of the, the church of Joe Jackson ever since he committed. And I, I think he has real opportunities to sort of step in as that third running back immediately. But if I had to guess who sort of comes on towards the back end of the season, it almost certainly has to be Trey Spivey for me. And the reason why is because every single receiver that was taken in this last year's class that's Trace Bivey, Andre Davis, Wesley Watson, and Jace Brown. If you take all of the skill sets of the other three receivers, put them into a blender, and then make them slightly taller and also more refined, that's Trace Bivey. You have the contested catchability of Andre Davis. You have the route running and release of Jace Brown. And you have 98% of the speed of Wesley Watson. And that's Trace Bivey. And I don't see a world where that just doesn't get on the field. I, I just I just simply do not see a world where that doesn't happen there. You know, I, I know that there's sort of questions about if a true freshman receiver can come into most offenses and produce. I think Trace Bivey might be him like he may be that guy to do so uh, on defense. Both are defensive linemen. Uh, I sort of had to walk off the the Ryan Davis take for for several reasons Um if only he didn't lose 30 pounds, but <laughs> the, the two answers are probably Kitty Obiezo or Jordan Allen, Jordan Allen, just because he's a monster athlete who probably is the best athlete in the entire defensive line room. Sorry, Uso for your size. You, you should not be able to do what you do, but Kitty, I think automatically steps in and is just Jalen pickle. Like at minimum, he is Jalen pickle again, that sort of big three tech, Three three five defensive lineman who can come in has a really good first step off the ball, and I think that's just where he's starting at now. Which, if you listen to the first time Connor and I talked about Kitty Obiezer, this is quite the character arc because initially we just didn't get it because he was hurt. He was playing hurt his entire high school junior season. But yeah, those are Joe Jackson, Trace Bivey, Kitty Obiezer, and Jordan Allen. If I had to pick one, it would probably be Trace Bivey. That's what I'm marking you down for because I keep track of all of this. So that is your official one, Trey Spivey. All right, my favorite one, what's the pendulum game of the year? All right, so there, to me, looking at the schedule, there's only really one that made it, um, that immediately popped out to me, and that's the matchup down in Lubbock against Texas Tech. Because the rest of the season, you know, you have SEMO, Troy, and Missouri, God, they're still going to get killed. Um, <laughs> and then UCF, Oklahoma State, and then Texas Tech. Texas Tech leads into the most difficult part of the schedule, where you have Tech in Lubbock, TCU in Manhattan. I guess Houston's not that bad. And then Texas down in Austin. So there's a world where K-State wins this game and then is able to rattle off victories in the next three games. And there's an equal world where they end up losing Lubbock, sort of slip on the momentum and then end up losing two of the next three. So to me, Texas Tech is the obvious answer. If we go in and like mollywop Texas Tech, 
it there I, I will be very reactionary and start talking about things that you do not like. Uh, yes, I, I'm sure you will, and I'm I'm sure I, I hope I hope that we have the type of season that gets all my receipts pulled, uh, and we all have fun with that. All right, let let's go on the record. What is K State's final win loss going to be? To me, looking at the schedule, I'm projecting a regular season record of ten and two, and I. It really can take your pick on which games. I don't think we end up beating Texas down in Austin. And that's despite me saying that I think Texas will end up Texasing themselves. They, God himself has decided that we are not allowed to win in Austin, Texas. Um, so I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure if that, that can really happen. And then honestly, the other loss probably comes up against Texas Tech. But despite all of that to sort of preempt the the next question i do think that that's good enough to go down to arlington for k-state i think they're one half of the matchup in arlington that that will be interesting because uh dropping the tiebreaker to texas tech and that super weak schedule for both both oklahoma and possibly oklahoma state uh makes 10 and 2 i would imagine squeaky bum time if you're if you're trying to get back to arlington uh, so you said it, K-State going to be in Arlington. You said Texas is going to Texas. So context clues from our conversation so far would say it's not going to be them. So who's it going to be? To me, I'd probably project Texas Tech to be the other squad to end up down there. And the main reason why it has very little to do with their quarterback play, because I don't think Tyler Shuck is an upgrade nor a downgrade from Donovan Smith from last year. I think that although they're losing Tyree Wilson, I think their defense will sort of congeal better. And the main reason why I say this is because they were the only school to sort of figure out what KU was doing on a consistent basis. And the only reason that that game was even slightly competitive was because Jason Bean decided to have the game of his life. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to end up being another similar story to last year where a week six matchup down in Texas, K-State ends up falling, ends up fighting their way back to a different type of season than having a rematch with that same, with a different Texas school or the one that they lost to earlier in the season and, you know, ends up battling it for the Big 12 championship. That being said, I'm very excited to be hilariously wrong about it like I was last year. So I'll, I'll ask, I assume K-State would be wearing white since they lost. Uh, the yeah. regular season matchup with Texas Tech. Are are you officially predicting K State to go back to back? I will officially predict Tech uh, K State to go back to back in to to uh, to win back to back Big Twelve championships. The reason why is I think that the Texas Tech Texas game, which is that last week game, I think that'll be an absolute like dogfight. It'll probably be just. People are going to walk out of that game injured and dinged up just because I think the emotion, I think that's probably the game that ends up determining who goes to the big 12 championship. And I think that the moment Texas wins that game, I'm not sure that like they, a walk out a fully completed team in terms of not getting injured. And then B you have to deal with the fact that you're coming off of a really emotional win to send yourself to the big 12 title game. So I think that, in a game that hopefully does not get as sweaty as it was last year, although the sweatiness did lead to 
some of the most iconic moments in K-State history with the, with the goal line stand, which we now have to the stands now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think K-State ends up walking away as Big 12 champions. And I think that the offense probably has three or more first team all Big 12 selections. I love it. And, you know, to kind of, you know, draw the parallels to last year, I mean, Texas Tech has an all-black get-up because I think uh, TCU is black head-to-toe in that game as well. So, I mean, you know what? Might as well keep the parallels going. All right, final question. And when I made the outline for Blitz Month, uh, so much stuff has changed. So it's now going to be two uh, questions. So the first one, of the four new teams this year, so the four new teams this year, BYU, Houston, Central Florida, and the University of Cincinnati, of those four, who's going to make it to Arlington first, assuming the game stays there in perpetuity? I, I noticed you calling them Central Florida. The, the two fan, two UCF fans listening to this are very upset with you. Yeah, well, uh, once I found out that they hate that, I'm going to make an effort to never call them UCF. So, I mean, you played yourself, Central Florida fans. The obvious answer is UCF. I would have said Cincinnati probably this year if they kept Luke Fickle. But in the move that surprised me a lot, he ends up going to Wisconsin. Still don't fully understand that. But, yeah, I think the obvious answer is UCF because they already have a really solid recruiting base down in Florida. They have Gus Malzahn, who's a coach who, at minimum, is used to winning at a high level. So, yeah, I think UCF of the new schools this year is the first to make a Big 12 championship. Probably does it within two or three years. Interesting. I'm not nearly that bullish on Central Florida. I would probably make that my answer, but I don't think it'll be that quick. Now, where I do think it could be very quick, I think this is an easy answer. I think everyone's going to have the same answer to this one now uh, that I'm adding it. Of the Pac-4 schools that are coming over – uh, which is I, I'm going to call them that. I'm going to call them the mountain schools. I don't like calling them the four corner schools because it is not. There, there are four corner states, and uh, New Mexico isn't coming. So I don't like that name. I've never liked that name. So of the mountain schools, of the Pac four schools, whatever you want to call them, I think it's an easy answer. But of those four, who's going to make it to Arlington first? It is a really easy answer because it's Utah. Uh, as much as it pains me to say that we may have to interact with the Utah weirdo pig bus guy, whatever his name is, as as much as it pains me to say that we're going to have to interact with him as a as a conference mate on a basis on a regular basis, I think Utah. I mean, they just already step in as one of the most complete teams in the Big Twelve, and they're probably going to be competing for the Big Twelve title perennially as long as their head coach is there, but. If, if I had to pick a non-obvious answer, there isn't one. I couldn't give you one because all three of them are equally mid. So I think I would go with Arizona State uh, because uh, I think they have the coach with the highest upside that will be long-term. Uh, Best-case scenario, you know, Coach Prime could be, you know, elite, but I think the best-case scenario for uh, Coach Prime also includes him leaving pretty quickly. So. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I agree with you. I'm, I'm right there with you. So that's all we have. Thank you for joining us for your blitz month preview episode. Uh, longtime listeners know that you and your, uh, co-host Connor, who we will be hearing from later this week 
are usually staples on the whip around show because you guys are some of the best in the biz, but you guys are going to be super busy this year. So I'll probably ask, but please feel free to say, Scott, I'm trying to be a lawyer. Leave me alone. But I want all the boneheads to hear as much from you and your co-host Connor as possible. So plug all the projects you guys got going on and then we'll call it a day. All right. So if you want to hear more from me personally, I am at AC Edwards zero zero. I am one half of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast where come rain shine or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. We cover just about every single sport that you can think of for K-State outside of rowing. But we cover just about everything else and we try to give as much justice to all the teams as they deserve. And we specialize a lot in sort of X's and O's talk and in-depth previews for football, which normally release on Wednesdays in the game season. But outside of that, we are just two guys trying to have as much fun as possible and talking about what we love most. If you want to check out the video that Scott mentioned earlier, it is called How One Man Created the Same College Quarterback Twice. It's a video about KU. No, please don't click away yet. I promise there's a point. And how Andy Katelniki, yes, that's how you pronounce his name, created the same quarterback twice and how Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean are basically the same quarterback, no matter what KU fans will tell you. Although Jason Bean is undoubtedly funnier because (laughs) he has his moments. But that's pretty much all for me. Uh, Like I said, Aggieville Alley Cats, the show I run with Connor Balthazar, who you will be hearing from later this week. And uh, thank you to Scott for listening, for uh, having me on. And thank you to the Boneheads for listening this far. Well, perfect. Yep. It is Aggieville Alley Cat Week. Uh, Again, unless something crazy happens, we'll be hearing from Connor eh, either tomorrow or Thursday. As you guys are listening to us on Tuesday. A little bit in between. We got some wild stuff going on this week. Uh, So stay tuned for it. All right. uh, Unlike the Aggieville Alley Cats, uh, I don't have a life. So we have five shows a week, every single week from now until the end of football season, maybe until the end of the year. Uh, Shout out to our sponsors who helped make this happen. Charlie Hustle, Vintage Made Fresh. Keep your eye out. Again, it got leaked already on the internet, uh, but there's some pretty great looking K-State NIL tees coming out as well as a revamped K-State collection just in time for football season and Manhattan Brewing Company. We're running it back. The 2023 tailgate beer of the season is Townie Wheat. So for our great sponsors, for Ace, for all the Aggieville Alley Cat fans, for my dog Chauncey, we love you guys and go Cats. It's time to get set for the Cat Attack. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the Podcast Network.